All right, my mom and my dad, when I was in first grade, moved to Euclid. And as they moved to Euclid, there's not a whole lot of hoop and hobbling going in Euclid anymore. <laughs> they moved into a house and had these old vents, and in the, right above the kitchen was a vent that went right up to my sister's room, and oftentimes my mom and my dad would sit in the kitchen, not realizing, not knowing, for a while, that we could hear everything that they were saying Upstairs, We would all gather around. You had to put your ear to it. I think it was jutted this way or that way, but you could hear what mom and dad were saying. And oftentimes, they'd have people over, you know. And, we, you know, they'd talk to people in the neighborhood. We'd learn all kinds of things, you know. Nothing of any value for us. I mean, we were hoping to hear what we're getting for Christmas or something like that, you know. And sometimes you don't have to think back and you wonder to yourself, did they really know when we were eavesdropping, were they just feeding us a line like, you know, you know, if the kids don't behave, you know, we're just probably going to have to go without food for a while. I'll probably lose my job. You know, what kind of information were they feeding us knowing or were we just eavesdropping and only maybe just fooling ourselves? In your notes, I have, why do people eavesdrop? Do you know where the word eavesdrop comes from? It comes from somebody who stands under the eave the overhang of a house, close enough to be able to hear what's going on inside their eaves, under the eaves, dropping. People, I didn't know where that came from either. Somebody said, shouldn't it be eardropping? I don't know. But people eavesdrop for several different reasons. Number one, we're just kind of a nosy kind of people, you know. We're nosy. We want to hear what's going on in people's lives. And now social media takes care of that. You don't have to wonder about it. They just, they're glad to give it all to you, you know. Just sometimes we eavesdrop for a little bit nosy. Jim said he overheard. Sometimes people eavesdrop for vicious, vicious reasons. They're, they're going to use the information somehow or some way to hurt somebody. They're going to use the information somehow to get back at somebody what they hear. Or they might even do it for illegal purposes. Because if you look up the word eavesdrop, in a lot of ways, it's just like, it's most of the time illegal. But then there are people that, that eavesdrop, and they do it for a smart reason, you know, for an intelligence. They, they want to get some valuable information. Maybe you are hearing that there's a stock tip, you know, and you want to find out which the best place to put your money. And a lot of times there'll be people, there'll be somebody be eavesdropping, and they say, you know, this isn't private, come on in. And the people, are, they're fine. They're okay with it. And so as we open the Scriptures, I wonder if you've often thought that none of the books of the Bible were written to you personally. In a way, they were written to somebody else. Every time we listen to a sermon, every time we listen to the Bible, read the Bible, we're eavesdropping in on a conversation that though may be meant for you and me, it was meant for somebody else. Today, I have... Uh, First Peter here, you see the reference in your notes there. I think that if we're going to eavesdrop in, it really ought to be for the third purpose that I said to you today, smart enough to hear information that is life-changing. Peter wrote this book, First Peter, to the exiled Christians who were scattered throughout several different places. He says it right there in the first verse, you don't have it there, in the province of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. That is what you and I would know today as modern day the area of Turkey. He's writing to them. They're scattered. I have the end of chapter 2, uh, at the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2, sometimes they put that little divide in there. That was put by human beings. We're eavesdropping in because today we're going to take the Lord's Supper today. And if you're here from another church, 
you're welcome to take the Lord's Supper with us. No, one, number one thing is you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's the most important thing. So number one, I want to take a look at verse 22. Let's look at the evidence of a purified life. 1 Peter 1, verse 22. We're going to eavesdrop in here. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. He comes to them and he says, here's the truth of your salvation. The only way that you could be saved, the only way you could be purified, as we were singing, from our sins and that type of thing, is to obey the truth as found in the Scriptures, which is a person is saved only through Jesus Christ, through the repentance of our sins, and the turning of our lives to him and deciding to not just get saved, but deciding to follow him, obeying ongoingly the truth. Peter is trying to take these scattered Christians and take them just beyond their salvation. I'll show this to you in a a minute. So how does a person purify themselves? How does a person come to Christ? How does a person get rid of the sins? The passage of Scripture says by obeying the teachings found in the Scriptures. And if you read the Scriptures, you know exactly what I'm saying to you. Everything about the Gospel, the good news, is all wrapped around Jesus saying, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. I'm the one giving my life. I'm the one rising from the dead. I am the one. Come to me. You know, he's trying to detox all of that poison sin out of a person's life. And that's kind of what it's all about. You know, they had these modern-day detoxes today, you know, a colon blow. That, that just sounds like a wonderful event, doesn't it? Let's get a colon blow, everybody. And we'll, just, well, I'll just have a party about that. I, I can't hardly even visualize the wording of the whole thing. is just like crazy, you know. When we open the Word of God, He wants to detox. When you read the Scriptures, it says, Do not build your life on sinking sand. Build your life on the firm foundation of the rock. You have a decision to make. What will you do? When Jesus comes and says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. The people who are poor in spirit, the ones who don't think they know it, the ones who know they need a Savior. You have to eavesdrop in and say, I'm intelligent enough to know and believe it. When He says, You know... I find this interesting. Even the Old Testament says the meek will inherit the land. The meek will inherit the earth. It's not the powerful. It's not the punks. It's not the the, the, uh, pushy people. The meek will eventually inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the type of people that God wants. And there's a strength to meekness that oftentimes we don't think about. I ask you the question, you know, have you ever... Come to Jesus Christ. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper today, the body and blood of Jesus, and ask Him, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. The only way we can deeply love each other is to be deeply loved by Christ. Do you sense His love throughout the day, throughout the week? Have you put yourself in a position to know and to care and to see he loves you. See, So go ahead and eavesdrop in on Peter's words. But remember, Peter spoke for our Heavenly Father. He wanted us eavesdropping so that we could, be, uh, we could hear life-changing words. Are we smart enough to not just come and just say, well, it's just something I do on Sundays to gain information to change us? Number two, verses, uh, what, 23 through 25. Here's the truth of human existence. You know, sometimes you overhear some information. It kind of can be bone-shattering sometimes. In verse 23, Peter says, For you have been born again, right? This is where I'm coming from. When he starts and he says, you know, you need to be purified. 
He's talking about the initial salvation. For you have been born again. That's the picture of, of, of what it means when you come to Christ. Not of perishable seed. Not of something that's temporary, but of imperishable. Through the, here it is, living and enduring word of God. We eavesdrop in on the powerful word of God. It's living, it's enduring. It's life-changing for those who eavesdrop in on it to have them change their life. Obeying the word purifies us. Uh, The word of God uh, gave us an imperishable life, eternal life. Verse 24. And then he says something that uh, he quotes from Isaiah 40. He says, For all people are like grass. How's that for yourself, Steve? All their glory is like the flowers of the field. Grass withers, flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. This is why the word of God needs to be planted in this, not just heard. The comparison to a human being's life, a temporal life, is compared to to grass and to flowers. I got a graphic up here of Maria. In January of 2016, her boyfriend brought her some roses. Still trying to find out who that is. And... 2016, got a nice flower, boom, beautiful woman, beautiful flowers. Where are the flowers today? I ask you the question, where are the flowers today? Could anybody come up with even a stem? January of 2016. It's been a while. You know, uh, Billy Graham and Benjamin Franklin, where are they at? George Washington and George H. Bush. Where are they at? When we're alive, we tend to think the whole world revolves around us. We tend to think we'll be here for a long time. The Bible continues to tell us that is not how we are to live. We are perishable. They all had a perishable existence, and we are perishable. The need to be born again is because we are like grass and that we are are like the flowers of the field. All of our glory, everything, our titles, everything about us is one day going to be gone, gone, gone. The truth of human existence is you and I, we're perishable. But you can eavesdrop in on the enduring word of God and you can become imperishable. Number three in your notes clicks over from chapter one to chapter two. I I don't like sometimes the fact that they're not together because as he's talking to people who are Christians, as he's talking to the exiles that are all throughout that area of Turkey that we know now today, number three is the caution of our salvation. He says all of that at the end there. He talks about being born again. He talks about we're like grass. And he goes on and he says the word, the first word there in verse 1 is therefore, right? You, you know the teaching. You know the little idiom, you know. When you see the word therefore, you have to ask what's it there for. It's referring to everything that was before it and now something different. See, when he opened up and Peter said, I want you to love each other deeply, more deeper than you are right now, he says, therefore rid yourself. And look at the word, all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. You see, there's something more, we talk about this here, than just being saved. There's something more, and and it can happen to any person if they'll just listen to the word of God and let the word of God affect them. Even though we've been purified, even though we've been born again of imperishable seed, Peter has these warning lights of people 
who just want to just kind of just set in. And the problem with spiritual contentment happens just like it happens in any other area of life. You get a new job. I know several people that get a new job about every two years. They get a new job, and they're, they're, they're excited. They like the change. It's going great, you know, and they're there all the time. But after a couple months leading into a couple years, they start missing a little bit of work. It starts getting, they don't have what it takes to stay on it and to know what it means to work through it and to do a good job no matter what you feel like. So every two years or whatever it might be, they're, they're on to another job because they're just not content. They've, that's, they've lost that love and feeling. It happens in relationships too. It happens in relationships too. Your Christian life is a relationship. This is about a relationship with Christ and it's about a relationship with each other. That's why... He's saying, I want you to love your brothers and sisters, love each other deeply from the heart. So Christianity is a relationship. Let's take a couple of these words. He says, get rid of all malice. And malice is the desire to cause pain or just distress to somebody else. You got anybody that you just are hoping and praying and every time something goes wrong, you're just so glad for it? Just a little bit of malice in their life. Just like just a little bit of revenge. Bible says get rid of it all. Let's choose the word deceit. The act of causing someone to accept as truth something that is false. You ever done that Christian half-truth thing? I'm not going to tell them a lie, but I'll give them half the truth. I'll give them the half the truth that will help them make a decision. I won't give them the whole thing. Deceit. Get rid of all deceit. He talks about the word, I'll just choose the word envy. Resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by somebody else. Envy, the advantage enjoyed by somebody else, even to the point that, you know, your desire is to have it yourself. How could people love each other and Christians love each other if they have any of these? He says, get rid of them all. Of every kind of this type of thing, all malice, all deceit, every kind of slander. And you think, well, he's talking about people outside the church. He's talking about Christians, the way we treat people that are non-believers, and Christians, the way we treat each other. I want you to love each other dearly. We're going to take the Lord's Supper today. And it may be that you have something against another Christian. If you can do it, take care before you take the Lord's Supper. If you can't do it here, make sure you make a promise. If you take the Lord's Supper, you'll take care of it as soon as possible as maybe you leave here today. See, no Christian rests on their past salvation experience. You can't rest on that. It's an ongoing relationship just like it is at work in any human relationship. We eavesdrop in on Peter's letter to the exiled Christians for life-changing information so that we can be continually, ongoingly changed and be the type of Christians and church that God intends for us to be. That's why fellowship is so important after service and the different things that we do. Fellowship, it's, it's important. It's important that we're around and we're with each other. And then number four, verse two and three, is the appetite of a healthy Christian. He paints his picture and then he basically says, let, let, let me give you a picture of what it is. He says, you know, like newborn babies, he says, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. 
When you get saved, you're like a shell. You're, you're a shell of a Christian. And all of this begins to grow up inside of you. How you are, who you treat, what you do. And all of this cannot be accomplished through our effort. This is on my knees when I'm really struggling to hate somebody that I think, or get revenge. This is on my knees. This is me trusting Christ. It's being honest with Him. It's letting Him work in and through me. Because if you're sitting here thinking you can do it yourself, you will be as frustrated as I have been for years trying to do it myself. God is able. Spending some time with Him in prayer. Crave pure spiritual milk so that by you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, you just tasted it. You've just been born again. You've just been... Uh, cleaned up and purified there's something more are you just eavesdropping information kind of hear it week after week it's what I do in your devotional life just eavesdropping in maybe you're nosy maybe it makes you feel good for a little bit is it life changing you know I have a friend I talked to yesterday who is going through some treatments and that and he's lost some of his appetite and uh, one of the things he uh, I, I I worked with him years and years ago he loves steak loves hamburger he says I've lost all taste for hamburger I've lost all for burgers and steaks and everything his taste buds just shot you know so they, when he sees it he says you know uh, um, he says he, he almost wants to vomit just looking at it you know it's just so bizarre because I know him pretty well he's got a sickness and sometimes Christians who've been born again have a kind of sickness. It, it kills their spiritual appetite. There's like no spiritual appetite for them. The Bible is tasteless to them. They got no spiritual taste buds. They don't participate in any Bible study because it's, it's an inconvenience. That means to me you, you don't have any hunger. There's no presence of God when you're in church, when you're here worshiping during worship this morning. It's just, it's just like dead. It's, it, it, it's bland. And it's, of course, it's, it's the worship team, and it's the songs they chose, and it's everybody else's problem but mine and yours. About this time of year, I start to crave being out on the water. About this time of year, I start to crave just riding the boat up the river, the Grand River, seeing the stone that's on the stock, seeing eagles out on the water fishing, enjoying time, the smell that's out there. I don't enjoy Dean catching more fish than me, but I do enjoy fishing with Dean. And so for my birthday last week, as, as some of you know, every March 20th, the first day of spring, Dairy Queen has free ice cream cones in honor of my birthday for all of you. I hope you got it on my behalf. My daughter Elizabeth, she's a video nut, uh, with her GoPro last year took a, a video of us catching a fish. She sent it to me. I caught a fish, and then she set the hook on another one. Maria, you know, reel it in, and Maria's like screaming, ah, it's a big one. You know, it's about this big. It's a big one, you know. I watched it. I'm craving to be on the water, so I watched it about eight times. I watched it several times myself. I showed it to Jeff Joggin, he, you know, uh, one time. Then I forwarded it to Jeff Joggin, and I forwarded it to Maria, you know. And I watched it with Maria about eight times because it's what I'm craving. You have any craving for spiritual growth, spiritual life? Are you eavesdropping in because you want to be changed? And you want the words of God, the life-giving words of God to change you? See, 
eavesdropping in to gain valuable, life-changing information keeps a Christian craving that pure spiritual milk. Now, some of you know I have the word obituaries, and there are people that read the obituaries all the time. I know several people. My wife is a nurse. She reads the obituaries, and she reads the obituaries because lots of times she'll say, oh, this person I took care of, she sees somebody that she was taking care of, this type of thing. So basically that's really not an advertisement to go to her because a lot of those people end up in the obituaries, you know. Who do you know that doesn't pick up the obituaries and read them other than me? Anybody that is in the obituary. They're not reading it. You know, I, I lost a sister to cancer. Some of you have lost some people. The obituary, just from one perspective, it's one thing. From other perspective, you know, it's just, wouldn't it be nice to me, from my perspective, wouldn't it be nice to have a living obituary? The living obituary to find out the spiritual depth of a Christian. Here might one be, I'll just pick on myself. Quote, Evan Nunley, born again, April of 1983, presently has no craving for spiritual milk, lives his life as an eavesdropper, hearing God's word, but it has, hasn't stopped or done anything to change his life. Unquote. Maybe I read your living obituary. We go for, to work Monday through Friday, take some time golf, go to the kids' events, get married, whatever it is we do. We end up in church, and we're eavesdropping. And my hope, my hope, hope is for you. It is life-changing. It's life-changing. I have in your notes the asterisk there. Why do you eavesdrop? Ask yourself the question. Is there something that needs to be tweaked in you? Why do you eavesdrop in when listening or reading the Scriptures? Is it out of curiosity? Oh, I'm just curious. It's kind of fun. I like the things that are said. I like the Bible. Uh, is it because your family expects you to be there, the pressure, your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, whatever it is? Uh, is it everybody else is doing it. Or is it to gain valuable information to change your life? Oh, yeah, First Peter was written to exiled Christians in a lot of different areas. But it was written down as a scripture we know for you and for me. To be able to eavesdrop in and to listen to while we are alive. The only time you can't hear the word of God and act on it uh, is when you've passed from this life. This is it. This is our opportunity. Let me read you this passage of Scripture, a powerful passage of Scripture. When you think about how powerful the Word of God is, I kind of look at it that the Word of God is more powerful than the atom bomb. The, any, any powerful, destructive thing that is in the world, the Word of God has the ability to change a human being. For the Word of God is alive and active. It's not just words dead on a page unless you don't act on it sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even in dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him whom we must give an account. So when you hear the Word of God and the sword of God's Word cuts and it makes you uncomfortable, do you put on your protective armor and say, well, I just can't, I just can't do that. I just can't change. I just can't get involved in that. Or when you, the sword of God's word cuts, do you let it cut because you know it's a good cut? It's like the cut that the a surgeon did on my shoulder to repair my rotator cuff because it's going to repair. Do you let it cut? You understand it. It's cutting the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart, and you know that some of those things need to go 
so the presence of God can come. My uh, wife reads a lot of different uh, stories and different illustrations. She shared this story with me. I, I got a picture up here of a guy named George Palmer. Can you put the first one up? He's all the way on the right-hand side. See, when George Palmer was seven, his brother was uh, four, and his younger brother was five months old, his father had a heart attack. When his mother came home to tell him, he went up to his room and he said to scream to God, quote, You've got no right to take my dad. I need him, and now he won't be here for Christmas. And because of that, I hate you. With all my heart, I hate you. So in 1959, when he heard that Billy Graham was an evangelist coming to Melbourne, 100,000 people in the cricket arena there, him and nine of his buddies who had formed a gang got ten guns, one apiece, and they spread out with every intention of shooting and killing Billy Graham. They'll take care of Billy Graham. They'll, they'll shoot him. They'll, they'll make sure that this man who's proclaiming the love of God, and the entire world will know. And so, uh, as the story goes, um, he was there. He eyeballed his other friends. They were there among 100,000 people. And uh, uh, the utter contempt consumed him, it says here, until he heard a quiet voice. What are you doing here, George? He looked around and said, his buddies were too far away. Nobody else knew him there. He looked around and didn't see anybody there a second time. George, the voice seemed to say, I didn't take your dad to hurt you or your mom. I took your dad because he was a very sick man. I would never do anything to hurt you because I love you too much. Deep inside of him, something broke. Because the word of God as being preached by Billy Graham and the voice of people who had been praying for George. Who are you praying for? He said, this is 10 years later. Who have you been praying for for 10 years? And the word of God, powerful than anything else, changed him. Tom's going to come this morning and we're going to prepare our hearts to receive the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ in a way of remembrance. And as the ushers get back there, you just go ahead and begin to pass that out. Could you do me a favor when it comes? Could you just hold it in your hand? Hold it in your hand, and we'll take it together. Can you put that second picture of George up there for me, Ryan? The second picture of George is he was called into the Salvation Army and worked in the Salvation Army, him and his wife, I forget her name, uh, him and his wife, they, they, uh, they served, and even to this day have won many people to Christ. Go ahead, come on up, you guys. Just begin to pass that out. And as he was changed by the Word of God, so I want to ask you today, why do you eavesdrop in on the Word of God? Why are you eavesdropping in? Why are you listening? I actually put the... In your notes, I put the uh, connection for the entire story. If you want to read the entire story, you go ahead. Just begin to pass it out there. And, and, and as everybody comes and, and considers taking the Lord's Supper today, Jesus made a commitment to you, right? Jesus Christ made a commitment to you with his body, with his blood, with his life. He made a commitment to you calling the calling of Jesus Christ to you to make a commitment to eavesdrop in to build a craving what is it today that as you take the Lord's Supper today you need him to do for you 
Maybe today for the first time you'll take the Lord's Supper. You say, I need to be born again. I need to be saved. Maybe you've been saved a while. Maybe you just kind of fell into the old, I'm just eavesdropping in, everybody. Just eavesdropping. Maybe you're at that place where you're just like, ah, there's got to be more to Christianity than just this. There's got to be more. And there is. That deep love of the Lord Jesus Christ, that deep love of the Spirit of God calling you today, maybe you've lost your appetite. And as you take it today, we take it together, it will be your prayer. Lord, I am taking this because I want more than just this what represents your body. I I need that craving once again in my heart. Take some time for prayer.